0: Hello there, it's Peter Mansbridge, host of The Bridge, where we reflect on the issues of the day and how they could impact you. Politics, public health, technology, they are just some of the topics you'll hear about. Cut through the clutter and tune into The Bridge, a serious XM podcast available everywhere. You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production.
1: Yesterday after months of controversy and speculation about who knew what and when in relation to allegations of Chinese interference in Canada's democracy. The country finally got some answers.
2: There should not and need not be a separate formal public inquiry. A public inquiry examining the leaked materials could not be undertaken in public given the sensitivity of the intelligence. Wait,
1: sorry. Uh, By answers, I mean that they were told they would not be getting answers with a public inquiry. Mr. Johnston concluded that an inquiry into the affair which has been dominating Canadian federal politics since February was unnecessary and said that he found no evidence that Prime Minister Justin Trudeau had ignored any reports on Chinese interference. And naturally... Mr. Johnston's conclusion was good enough for everyone, and the matter was calmly put to bed. We see today that his ski buddy, cottage neighbor, family friend, and member of the Beijing-financed Trudeau Foundation came out and did exactly what I predicted, help Trudeau cover up the influence by Beijing in our democracy. Wait, sorry. By put to bed, I mean the lack of an inquiry will be an incendiary topic from right now until the next election with no end in sight. So, what do we know from this report that we didn't already know? What might we still find out in the coming months? Why isn't there going to be an inquiry? And if we're not going to get clear answers from a public inquiry on this, what could we be doing to better protect Canada from the interference that launched this whole affair. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. This is The Big Story. Stephen Marr is a writer, a reporter, and a commentator. He's one of our favorite people to help us break down uh, hijinks in Ottawa. Is it fair to call them hijinks? Stephen, this is serious.
2: Well, I guess that depends on whether you uh, support the government or the opposition. That's, yeah, that's going to be the story of the summer, I think.
1: (laughs) So a little while before we spoke, uh, former Governor General Mr. David Johnston released his report today on Chinese interference in Canadian politics. Just uh, before we begin, Stephen, maybe just catch us up roughly. What did it say? What's the big takeaway here?
2: Well, the, the takeaway is that Justin Trudeau and his government were not negligent in overlooking foreign interference And there should be no public inquiry to look deeper into the question. However, Mr. Johnson found that there are what he sees as systemic shortcomings in the way that intelligence is moved from the intelligence agencies to the government and that there were serious shortcomings in uh, addressing this issue, that our systems need to be repaired or uh, reformed so that we have more uh, resilience in dealing with concerted influence operations from China.
1: And so that'll all be done, I guess, as part of the public inquiry that Canada's going to get so
2: we can see who knew what, when, what needs to be done right out in the open? Well, Mr. Johnson seems to have come to the conclusion that we don't need, in fact, can't have, mustn't have a public inquiry, which will have the effect of not allowing Canadians to find out who knew what, when about any of this. Why can't we have one? So when he gave his newser, he was asked that repeatedly. And what he said is that the material is just too secret, too sensitive. And it would not be possible to get into it in a public inquiry because the inquiry would have to go in camera so often. Hmm. And there's two sort of things I would raise about that. One is that there have been inquiries in the past that did do just that. In, in particular, the O'Connor inquiry into the wrongful rendition of Mahara Rar. right which I think must have involved the deepest, darkest secrets in the possession of the Canadian government having to do with what we used to call the war on terror. And uh, Justice O'Connor managed to to do a report on that that seemed to satisfy people. In the end, we were left just basically having to take Justice O'Connor's word for it because, you know, we, we could not actually see all the intelligence. Right. So that's one sort of issue with his assertion, in my view. The other issue is Mr. Johnson himself, in that the current opposition uh, leader, Pierre Polyev, has called this a a fake job and uh, cast aspersions on Mr. Johnson because of his connections to the Trudeau family and the Trudeau Foundation. Mm -hmm. Mr. Johnson spoke at length about this, the The report states that he he got a conflict of interest check with the former Supreme Court justice. He hasn't uh, spoken to Mr. Trudeau in a friendly way in forty years or something. they their families knew each other. But nonetheless, it appears to me that there is an appearance of conflict of interest. Mm-hmm. and Mr. Polyev is not going to have faith in anything involving Mr. Johnson doing this. So so politically, it does not close the gap between what the opposition wants and what the government is willing to to offer.
1: Even if it doesn't find out anything, and even if, you know, we can't uh, reveal some of the details, like in the Arar inquiry, wouldn't everybody benefit from a bit of transparency here? And I say this, you know, knowing you covered the inquiry into the shooting out east. We just had an inquiry into the convoy. Um... Isn't this just going to be the biggest political story of the entire summer now, the fight over why there's no inquiry, and does David Johnston know Trudeau, as opposed to the actual issue of Chinese interference in Canadian democracy?
2: I don't know. I mean, maybe. There's no question in my mind that the opposition have raised valid objections to Mr. Johnson in that there is an appearance of a conflict that even if they're not uh, besties, Mr. Johnson and Mr. Trudeau come from the same sort of club. They're both lifelong members of the what Westerners like to call the, the Laurentian elite, the right. kind of people who see each other at Montremblant, and the, the Chateau Laurier at events. And and you have Mr. Johnson here, who I should say is held in, at least until he said there shouldn't be a, a public inquiry. He's held in high regard by everyone who's ever had anything to do with him, hmm. right? He He really has an excellent reputation, which will now be damaged with the members of the Conservative Party. So that's not ideal, in a sense. And then you end up with this partisan split around this process. On the other hand, Mr. Trudeau is getting the headlines he wants. The government is not going to go through a torturous, Process whereby little bits of information are coming out. The government's constantly forced to respond. Liberals have bitter memories of the Gomery inquiry into the Liberal sponsorship scandal. So it may be that um, for electoral reasons, the Liberals are feel relieved about this.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah,
2: there are to be hearings conducted by Mr. Johnson over the summer, and a final report by the end of October. These hearings are going to be into what the government should do to fix the problems that he identified. It's hard to tell now whether the news will be dominated by the sort of useful, constructive conversations that will come out of that, or the partisan outrage mm-hmm. at the fact that we're not having an inquiry. That may be difficult to sustain over the, over the long term if there's not fresh information
1: do we know exactly what might come out of these hearings, other than, I guess, uh, no classified intelligence, since that's why we're not having a public inquiry?
2: I think it will be a lot of um, public servants and representatives of civil society uh, sitting down and saying, well, in order to prevent interference, I think we should bring in a foreign agent registry, and I think that we should make the following changes to the Elections Act. And uh, here's what we can learn from the experience of Australia. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it will be that kind of uh, talking about the best way to to deal with this going forward.
1: If this topic is as incendiary as it seems it might be uh, politically between now and whenever Canada votes next uh, with accusations of what did the prime minister know or, you know, conflicts of interest between him and Mr. Johnston and that kind of stuff. Does that take our eye off the big ball here, which maybe should be protecting
2: ourselves from the kind of interference that started this whole process? I'm not sure. I mean, one of the things that uh, Mr. Johnson did in his report and, and his news conference today was talk about the way that the leaks that have led to this scandal are based on partial intelligence. Some of it appears to have been wrong. Some of the headlines that we saw, the allegations about Han Dong, for instance, a liberal MP. Hmm. That's what's been driving this, is leaks from the intelligence services. Right. If those now stop, then it will get quieter. Scandals are like fires. And in the absence of fuel, they eventually kind of burn themselves out. This has all been driven by fuel from, apparently, CSIS, from our spies, which is in itself extraordinary that they are leaking so uh, uh, repeatedly. Mm -hmm. Beyond anything that happens, anything that the politicians say or do, what will determine whether or not this fire kind of fades to embers or or flares up again is whether we get a fresh stream of leaks from uh, the intelligence agencies.
0: Hello there, it's Peter Mansbridge, host of The Bridge, where we reflect on the issues of the day and how they could impact you. Politics, public health, technology, they are just some of the topics you'll hear about. Cut through the clutter and tune into The Bridge, a serious XM podcast available everywhere.
1: What could we be doing in the meantime? Um, you mentioned that the report itself says we need to improve information handling at security agencies. What are our other options to, you know fortify ourselves, I guess, for lack of a better term from this kind of interference?
2: Well, I did an, a long article recently for the Walrus. Looking at five things that we can do, and talk to a number of quite a large number of experts and uh, political types who were involved in the elections. The first one, and the most important one, I think, is establishing a foreign influence registry. The United States has had one since 1938. Mm. Listeners may recall that there has been a, a story about what are referred to as Chinese police stations operating in both Canada and the United States and in other countries, where agents of the communist government in China are able uh, to use these facilities to surveil and harass and intimidate Canadians in the diaspora. Mm -hmm. When this story came out in the United States, the Americans quickly charged a number of people for doing the bidding of a foreign government on US soil without having registered. In Canada, no one has been charged, and according to one report, they're still operating, Hmm. and that's because it's not against the law to act on behalf of a foreign government in Canada Hmm. without having registered, because there is no registry. If you look at the Trudeau government's track record on this and compare it with Australia and the United Kingdom, both of which have similar issues. The Australians have been uh, started to take action on this in 2018. Now they're much closer to China and it's a more of an existential issue for them. So it does seem surprising in a sense that the, the government has not done anything about that. I say has not done anything. They have recently promised to study the issue. Hmm, that's very Canadian. Yes, it is, yes, and we'll give it a good study. So it looks like they may go ahead with something. But it seems uh, relevant to me that in 2021, a member of parliament from Vancouver named Kenny Chu, who had brought forward a private members bill proposing such a registry, was defeated in uh, an election in which he alleges was influenced by Chinese disinformation through uh, social media and the Chinese language press. Hmm. So I think that that particular incident kind of shows that the government, by dragging its feet, has allowed uh, the government in Beijing to continue to act with greater impunity here than it does in other places.
1: In general, with the decision today that there won't be an inquiry, first of all, were you surprised by it? And second of all, is this a win for the conservatives simply because they get the ammunition?
2: I was surprised. A lot of the smart people who I've listened to about politics, were thinking, well, Johnson will look bad if he doesn't call an inquiry. So he doesn't want to look bad, so he'll likely call an inquiry. Uh, the, the conventional wisdom seems to be that this will be bad for the liberals because so many people think there should be an inquiry. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I know a number of conservatives, very partisan conservatives, who are not in the tent of uh, Pierre Polliver right now, but people who have no love for this government and want to see it unseated, but people who are familiar with the machinery of government who do not think that a public inquiry is a good idea. Mr. Johnson's view is not insane, right? I don't think I agree with it because of the precedent of uh, the Mara-Rabar case, for example. Mm -hmm. And the process that he has set out will not provide accountability based on what the government has done in the past. So that remains entirely a fair field for the conservatives to attack since the government cannot say, we have established a process to get to the bottom of this, so stop asking questions in the House. Mm -hmm. They've shut down um, a potential avenue of defense for themselves. Right. And so it remains fair game for the conservatives. Unless there are fresh leaks, I am not sure whether it can be sustained in as intense a way going forward as in the past. But the leakers want a public inquiry. They, that appears to be what they want. They're not getting one. So I'm going to be waiting to to see uh, what their next move is.
1: That was going to be my next question anyway, which is, yeah, won't the leaks just continue? And what if they do? That's what I want to know about what happens next. What if there's two days from now, two weeks from now, another insider sees this story in the Globe and Mail?
2: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch. One of the mysterious things about all of this to me, and there are many mysterious things in this whole story, yeah. because you're dealing with secret intelligence. How are the, these leakers, and there it's more than one, able to continue to do this? I mean, this is not the sort of thing that traditionally happens. These people all take oaths. They are being explicit. One of them, there was an wrote an op ed in the Globe and Mail in which they said, "Well, I feel I have to do this because I'm serving a higher purpose, which is uh, I'm serving my country by acting as a whistleblower." It's, I would say, impossible for us to conclude that that's the case, Mm -hmm. or whether they have a policy disagreement, which is what Mr. Johnson suggested today that they should not be doing this. Without the the facts at hand, it's very difficult for you or I to know what is actually motivating these people. And it's perplexing and raises questions that might be as serious as the um, questions about interference, about the competence of this government, if they can't plug the leaks. It's a very strange thing here, and it's very difficult to have a proper public conversation about it, because I'm in general in favor of people leaking, particularly to me. sure. But it's odd that they seem to be able to do so with impunity and i suspect that the number of people who understand the implications of the way that what this might be doing to our uh, intelligence gathering capacity you know is quite small but it could be quite have serious national security implications if our allies don't want to share information with us because it'll just leak if the chinese come to see exactly how we're gathering information and they start to be more careful, then we won't know what they're doing. So there are serious uh, questions about how we got to to this point, and no clear path to getting answers. Stephen, thanks so much for this. It'll be fascinating to see what happens next. Thank you. Take care.
1: Stephen Marr, reporting on what's going on in Ottawa and writing about how to prevent election interference in the first place in The Walrus. That was The Big Story. For more, you can add to thebigstorypodcast.ca. You can search for China and find our previous episodes, hopefully providing a comprehensive picture of this topic. If you'd like to comment on this episode or any other, or suggest an episode yourself, you can find us on Twitter at TheBigStoryFPN. You can write to us. The email address is hello at thebigstorypodcast.ca. Or you can call and leave a voicemail. The phone number is 416-935-5935. Thanks for listening. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings.
0: We'll talk tomorrow. Hello there. It's Peter Mansbridge, host of The Bridge, where we reflect on the issues of the day and how they could impact you. Politics, public health, technology, they are just some of the topics you'll hear about. Cut through the clutter and tune into The Bridge, a serious XM podcast available everywhere.